We're starting Deuteronomy. Amazing. Um, is, are people excited or scared? Both. Good. That's the, the correct response. If someone said, I'm so keen to hear why um, God has uh, weird laws like don't wear clothes of wool and linen woven together, um, I'd be a bit concerned. Um, I first want to start by giving mad props to Naomi. Um, she created this graphic. Um, and uh, I, I asked her about it and I'll try my best to explain it. Or may, Would you like to explain it, Naomi? No? Okay. Um, so I'm just going to do a bad job. But anyway, so our series is called Deuteronomy Through the Lens of Christ. And um, it's, it's a little bit less clear because um, it's up on a screen. Um, but you might be able to check it out on Facebook later. But basically, what you see is on the outside, the image is upside down. and But the lens is the right way up. And there's a picture of paradise or an oasis in amongst the wilderness, in amongst the desert. And uh, Naomi's idea behind this is, um, if you know anything about cameras, I know nothing about cameras, and if I do this wrong, um, feel free to correct me. But cameras have a mirror in it. And it receives the image upside down and then it relays it the right way up. Is that right? Yes. And so on the, in the outside, um, you see that this picture is actually upside down, but that through the lens, which is Christ, it's the right way up. And furthermore, you see paradise. And so our series is um, Deuteronomy through the lens of Christ. Um, did I do a good job, Naomi? Good enough? That's good. Um, and so my, our heart for this series is that um, we need to pay attention to Old Testament books just as much as the New Testament books. Um, the modern day 21st century Christian loves the Gospels, um, loves Maestro Paul, um, loves uh, Peter, loves James. Ooh, James, love it. Um, and then if we want to go Old Testament, we'll go Genesis up until a point and then we'll stop. Um, then we'll go up to, um, we'll, we'll pick some psalms to build us up and encourage us. Um, we're feeling a little bit naughty, we'll go to Song of Songs. Um, but the law is, is where we stop. We, 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 um, and, and sometimes there's good reason for it, and um, in a sense, because there are some pretty weird stuff in there. Um, in preparation for Deuteronomy, I... Um, on my many days of picking up leaves, um, you know how much I'm picking up leaves, you've probably seen it on Facebook a lot, me and Bella are in a fierce debate at the moment, ongoing, um, on my many days of picking up leaves because of the monotony of life that is picking up leaves day after day after day after day, um, I listened to Deuteronomy cover to cover on my Dwell app um, and it took three hours um, and it was a, it was a journey. Um, I think the, the kids say it was a vibe. Um, is, that, is that correct? Waves? No, no. Um, depends on how you look at it. Um, anyway, so um, this was my summary, my quick summary. Chapters 1 to 4 were awesome. Moses reminding the Israelites how faithful God has been to them. Strong start. Chapters 5 to 11, more good stuff. The Ten Commandments, classic. We love the Ten Commandments. Um, the Jewish prayer called the Shema. Look that up later. Um, it's in chapter 6, it says, um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And in Judaism, they say that twice a day. It actually becomes a law. It's a law within the law. Um, they say that twice a day, and it's to, to remember. 
um, who they serve and, and, and who they love and, and how good God is. And then we get to verses 12 to 26, and, and this is what I like to call the weird laws. Um, and it gets a little bit dicey, and this is probably where we switch off and we go, no, this is too much for me. So there are punishments prescribed for various sins like stoning family members to death, uh, for following other gods or fornication. Um, There are laws that treat women in a way that we find unconscionable, like requiring a rapist to marry the women concerned. You know, that's really sad. Like um, for us as a 21st century reading, uh, 21st Westerner reading that, it's like, what? Um, There are arbitrary sounding food laws like um, and random requirements that seem laughable, like what do you do when you find a bird's nest? Um, and don't wear clothes of wool and linen woven together. So if, if we were to live by the law, you know, we reckon there'd be a fair few of us that were in trouble there. Um, and so if my workmates um, heard what I was listening to for three hours while I was picking up leaves, they would think I was absolutely crazy. And I want to share probably a quite popular um, uh, quote from Richard Dawkins. Love Richard Dawkins. For those of you who don't know Richard Dawkins, he's a non-believer. He is an atheist. Um, and so let's read this. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. I love that that he put in fiction. <laughs> um, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Um, That's a big claim. And if you don't know some of those words, some of the words I had to look up, um, look up them later, and it's quite sad. Um, If, if, yeah, atheists and non-Christians believe that's who God is. And I think we should feel the weight of these criticisms because perhaps deep down sometimes we feel the same way. We, we read through the law, we read through the Old Testament, and, and sometimes we feel God is, is like this. And so rather than um, um, wrestle with that tension and, and get to the bottom of it, we ignore it. And that's potentially not the right way to, to do it because um, if, if we start um, picking and choosing where we enjoy uh, reading in the Bible, what we enjoy reading in the Bible, um, A, we, we may not come to... Um, the true conclusion of who God is and why God does things the way he does. But also we become a bit of a weak witness when, it, when, when we are confronted with people who believe this way. And so we need to, uh, in a sense, wrestle with that tension and, and be willing to, um, to dig deep into what that, um, you know, this thought um, and, and, and how people may feel about our God um, and go, no, I think we, we need to answer this question and, and, and be able to answer it. And here's my, here's my thing, uh, here's, here's my thought. Without the Old Testament, Jesus doesn't actually really make much sense because Jesus was foretold throughout the Old Testament. And by the same extension, without Jesus, the Old Testament is just a weird and wonderful story about an ancient civilization called Israel with no real relevance to us. And so I don't think either of them are the best bet, um, are, the, are the best way. I think we need to um, 
yeah, read the Old Testament and read the law and read Deuteronomy. And the best way to do it and, and the way that is, is quite orthodox in, in Christian belief is to read it through the lens of Christ. Because within Deuteronomy, um, it's a book riddled with themes of love and grace and promise and salvation, um, pointing to a fulfillment of a prophet like Moses. And uh, Jesus becomes this figure that has been promised for thousands of years, the solution to the problem of humans' inability to love God. And I, I truly believe that, but, but sometimes you really got to search for it. Um, and I went on this journey and it was, it was amazing, but it, it was a bit of work and good for you guys. Um, I get to share it with you. But I, I do hope that you go and do the work yourself, um, that I inspire you to, to, to go deep. And so the, the parallels between Deuteronomy and Jesus are undeniable, and hence this series is called Through the Lens of Christ, um, because it will allow us to read Deuteronomy for all it's worth in the way that the book itself shows it was meant to be read, as I hope we will discover today. And so these points that I want to cover today is, firstly, I want to go through a brief overview of the book. It's a good place to start. The context, who it was written to, um, what's in it, why was it written. Um, my second point that um, we'll discover is that grace is the premise of the law. And what I mean by that is before there was the law, before there were rules that they must obey, there was grace from God. And it changes everything if grace is the premise of the law. And then three and four is that Christ is promised in the law and therefore it, he perfectly fulfills the law. Sound good? Intrigued? Good. So let's start with the, the overview of the Bible, uh, the, of the book. Um, the context, um, the word Deuteronomy, does anyone know what it means? It means second law. And that does not mean that it has a second lot of laws, but it's actually a second telling, a retelling of the law that we find in Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers. And the context is that after 40 years in the desert, Moses has led the Israelites to the border of the promised land. But these aren't the Israelites that um, originally um, received the law on Mount Sinai. This is actually a new generation of Israelites. All the Israelites have either died or been killed because they refused to enter the land 38 years ago, as in pre-wilderness. And so this is how the start of Deuteronomy goes. And this is a paraphrase. It takes 11 days to get from Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, to Kadesh Barnea in the 40th year. So they actually reached Kadesh Barnea, which is a mountain um, on the border of the Promised Land, 11 days after Mount Sinai, after Exodus. And then they disobeyed God because they got scared. And so God said, righto, I'll take you around the long way, <laughs> essentially. And so 40 years later, they essentially make it back to the exact same place. And all the people that disobeyed God and said, um, it was better um, that you killed us in, um, in Egypt rather than bring us out to the wilderness, they've all been disqualified from entering the kingdom of God. And you may think that's harsh, but I want to explain to you that God is and was and continues to be a very gracious God even um, to these disobedient Israelites. And you know what the coolest thing is? Moses was also disqualified. Um, he had an incident with a rock where he, um, he smacked it like, a, um, like an infant that didn't get his toy rather than, um, than tapping it, as God told him to. And so he too 
um, has been disqualified. And it's funny, you'll read in Deuteronomy if you get to it that he <laughs> blames the Israelites. He's like, you did it. You were the reason why I'm not going to see the kingdom of God. Um, anyway, it's cool. Sorry. It's cool because he, um, he was obedient to God right to the end. Even though he knew that he wasn't going to enter the promised land anymore um, because of, in a sense, his disobedience. Um, he stayed faithful to what he was supposed to do, which was to lead the Israelites to the promised land. And I just think Moses is a legend for that. He literally climbs up to a mountain and dies with the promised land in sight once he gave essentially the reins to Joshua. And so Moses is a legend. We could leave it there. Moses is a legend. Uh, but we'll keep going. Uh, content, what is in it? So a large portion of the book is law. I mean, there's no avoiding that. Um, we have the Ten Commandments, firstly, which is where we'll be landing um, for the next couple of weeks. In the subsequent um, weeks of this series, we'll be focusing on the Ten Commandments. Um, and then there's, like what I said, the, the laws that we tend to want to forget. I call them the what the laws, as in what the heck. Um, there are food laws on what is clean and unclean. There are sacrificial laws, feast laws, Sabbath laws, sexual morality laws. Those are the weird ones. Um, justice, marriage, business and tithing. Um, it's a lot of laws and, and we don't have to understand all of it because it's crucial in reading Deuteronomy that um, there is a historical and cultural context. And in a sense, there's a pre-covenantal context, which we need to remember as well, or pre-new covenant context. And so when we bring our 21st century Western culture and apply it to this culture, um, we are bound to get confused, angry, and outraged. But here's the thing. There is so much more in Deuteronomy than just law. And throughout the book, um, there is these themes interwoven on how good and gracious God is. And that's what we need to focus on when we're reading these. Always remember that God is a good and gracious God. And so the themes you'll see are the uniqueness of God, Israel being chosen by God, the goodness of the land God is going to give to Israel, the promised land, the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the call to love and serve and obey God, and proper and pleasing worship of God. And so all these themes, if I could summarize, they scream out grace. And so grace is the premise of the law. And we have this misconception that the Old Testament is about following the rules to get to heaven and then the New Testament is about grace. But I'm here to tell you and I'll continue to show you that grace is in both. Before the law, there was grace. And so my second point, grace is the premise of the law. I'm going to um, share with you a few verses um, in Deuteronomy um, that will further prove um, that grace was there before the law existed. So Deuteronomy 5, 6, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is something that Moses continually uh, reminds the Israelites of when, when, he's, um, when he's saying his, his sermon. Deuteronomy is a, is a massive uh, sermon, um, probably longer than mine will be, but it could get close, we'll see. No, um, I'll try to keep it short. Um, and so he continually reminds Moses, uh, Moses continually reminds the Israelites that the reason they are called to love and obey is because God rescued them out of Egypt. That is, that is the, the, the beginning of all, that, that they were rescued out of Egypt. And, so, and he even makes this point of writing this statement just before 
the Ten Commandments are introduced in Deuteronomy. And so it precedes the proclaiming of the law as if to say that before the law, God was your saviour. My second point for, for the, um, grace being the premise of the law is that there was grace in, in the choosing of Israel. Deuteronomy 7, seven says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other people, for you were the fewest of all people. And so grace was also given in the choosing of the, the Israelite people. They weren't the biggest. They weren't the best. They weren't the strongest. They didn't have the best staff. They were the fewest of the few and the smallest of the small. If, if God chose a nation that was big and strong and half-angel, um, look it up in the Bible, it's true. Um, the angels came down and did some stuff. Um, if God chose the biggest of the best, um, that would not be grace. That would be, you are the best, so I'm going to give you stuff. But, but Israel were the fewest of the few. Abraham was a no one. If you read the Genesis story of Abraham, he kind of just pops out of nowhere. There's nothing, no one. He's just a dude, and, and God called him. And so within the choosing, it says in Deuteronomy 7, has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Grace was given to the least of all nations to become the nations that others would look to. Grace. Deuteronomy is structured so that you hear four chapters of how God loves and is committed to his people well before you hear any of the requirements to obey him. Another point is um, the sacrificial system. There's a, there's a, a, a large passage uh, devoted to, to the sacrificial system. And the sacrificial system is a large portion of law um, that are used... Um, in case they did stuff up, in case they did sin. So the, the um, sin offering and the guilt offering, which means that in the event that Israelites sinned, they were able to atone for their sins through an animal sacrifice. That sounds like grace to me. Other points on grace if you need more. Forty years in the desert where God provided for the Israelites. Most people wouldn't last a couple of days in the desert. And yet an Israelite nation lasted 40 years. God provided for them food, water, shelter, where to go, um, protection from, from enemies. How about the willingness to keep the covenant with the Israelites despite their continual grumbling and disobedience, i.e. the golden calf story? It's the most classic story you'll ever see, the most slapping your head, why did you do that story? Um, they literally were just brought out of Egypt and then Moses goes missing for 40 days up on the mountain speaking to God because they were too scared to go up, by the way. They're like, no, no, you go, we'll be fine. And then they're like, Moses has abandoned us. We need a new God. And so they create a calf. It's like, what are you doing? And yet God was still committed to these people to bring them to the promised land. That is grace. That sounds like grace. Um, and, and throughout Deuteronomy, you'll see that there are times where um, the Israelites won battles um, against nations that were much bigger and stronger than them because of God's power and favour towards them. So law does dominate Deuteronomy, so we can find ourselves thinking that the book is purely about law. But before there was law, there was God's grace and mercy, and this is continually expressed throughout the book. Almost every chapter in Deuteronomy 
the Israelites are reminded to love God and obey his commands because of the grace they've received. And if you don't believe me, you can go read it for yourself or you can go listen for it yourself um, and you'll see it. But there is something else in Deuteronomy which is crucial for our next point, and it's the inability of the Israelites to uphold the law. To, and, and when I say uphold the law, it's, it's loving God with all their heart. If you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, you will obey his laws because of his grace. But they had an inability, and therefore there was something much greater that was um, promised. And so my third point is Christ is promised in the law. So within Deuteronomy, you will see that Christ is promised. And so um, there's a built-in redundancy, this is what I like to call it, a built-in redundancy um, that we'll find within Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18.15 says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. And then it says in Deuteronomy 34.10, which is at the end of the book, Since then no prophet has arisen like Israel. Um, from Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So it seems that Moses knew that even though these laws should be sufficient for the Israelites to live in step with God and to love God, that they would not obey, that their, their hardened hearts would prevent them from loving God. In, in chapter 28, there's a chilling prophecy of what the Israelites will in, endure if they disobey God. Um, and... It's, it's exile and, and uh, conquest, people conquering their nations and, and them being driven off into slavery again. And we, we know that that actually happens, that in, in after um, the kings and everything like that, the bad kings came along um, and then, in a sense, the, the neighbouring nations were able to overcome um, the Israelites because they had foregone... Um, serving God. And so that's the, that's the redundancy I'm talking about, that, that Moses knew, and, and in a sense God knew, <laughs> that the, the, the Israelites were unable to follow the law. They were unable to love God with all their heart. And it says in... Oh, so in, in other parts of the Bible, especially in the prophets, um, you will start hearing um, similar themes of um, a, a new covenant, uh, someone that's going to come from the tribe of Judah that is, is going to change things. And, and we all know that, that that's Jesus. Um, so Jeremiah 34 is a good example. I won't go into Jeremiah 34, but look it up. Um, you'll see so much in Isaiah and, and so many places that the Old Testament and the law was... Um, since prophesying was was predicting that there, that something had to change, that within all humans, not just Israelites, like I think um, a great way is to go, would I be able to do better than the Israelites? Would I be able to obey God better than them? And if you say yes, you're a liar because it's the human condition. We have an inability to follow God and love God with all our heart. We are selfish. We harden our hearts, we want to do things our way. And so we are the Israelites in this story. But the amazing thing is that even all the way back then, Moses knew that there had to be someone else. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I think crucial is that we need to look, if we're looking for this prophet, 
that the prophet needs to know God face to face in order to qualify for this. And so who did, who knew God face to face? Isaiah kind of knew God to face. He had a face to face. He had a dream where he ended up in the Holy of Holies and he thought he was going to die. But he didn't know Moses, he didn't know God face to face in the same way that Moses knew face to knew him face to face. Um, if you if you remember what happened up on on Mount Sinai, Moses went up and he was in the presence of God, and he his face shone bright like a light. And when he came down the mountain, he had to cover himself because anyone that saw him would probably get hurt because the glory of God is powerful. And so that's what we're looking for, someone that knew God face-to-face in that way. And so we are looking for this new Moses. And so let's turn to the New Testament. In the Gospels, we, can, we continue to see that, um, that what Deuteronomy and the prophets meant by a prophet like Moses. Um, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy when he was tested by the devil in the desert. Men shall not live by bread alone. Do not put your Lord to the test. And you shall love the Lord your God and serve him only. They are all from Deuteronomy. So Jesus drew his strength from Deuteronomy. If you want to know why, um, this is a very simplistic view on why Deuteronomy is applicable. Because because if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. (laughs) What else? Um, Jesus was able to do what the Israelites could not do in the wilderness. The Israelites gave in to temptation and they disobeyed God. But when the devil came for Jesus, he resisted temptation and uh, he followed God with all his heart. He was able to do what the Israelites could not. The Sermon on the Mount. The first laws given to Moses were on Mount Sinai and it seems like Matthew knew what he was doing when he wrote his book the gospel accounts of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was on a mount or a hill when he started to draw from the exact same laws and begin to further expand upon them and give them more meaning and intensify them, like don't just love your neighbours but now love your enemies. Jesus fed the 5,000 just like Moses fed the Israelites in the desert. And this is the best bit, the transfiguration, the, the man who knew God, the prophet that knew God in the same way that Moses knew God. It cannot be clear at, the, at this point that, that Jesus is the new Moses because when Moses spent time up on the mountain, as I said, his face shone bright and he had to cover himself. Jesus, when he was transfigured, you'll see in the Gospels, the transfiguration, look it up, that there was this moment where Jesus was praying with, uh, with, his, with his buds, with his closest, his inner circle. And then they began to see Jesus shine bright as a light. And they saw other people. And, um, and, and Peter thought it was Elijah and, and Moses. Um, but this, this shining bright like a light, um, almost scary, was to say that this person, Jesus, was one with God, that he was and is in the presence of God and equal with God and is God. And therefore, he 
if we're thinking of a new Moses whom, whom knew God face to face, it has to be Jesus because of this, because he was shining bright and transfigured in, in, in essentially the same way that, that Moses reflected God when he was in his presence. And so Moses, uh, so Jesus is this new Moses. Um, but how about we just read what Jesus had to say about this topic. John 5, 46. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. John six fourteen. After the people saw the sign, and this is after he um, fed the 5,000. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus started telling people that he was the, he was the person that, uh, he was the prophet that Moses wrote about. This links to Deuteronomy 18 about the prophet like Moses and would be raised up. Um, that would be raised up. And after feeding the 5,000, even the people started believing that Jesus was the new Moses. And uh, in Acts 3, 18 to 23, I'm not going to uh, read it all out, but this is basically Peter drawing on Deuteronomy 18, this prophet like Moses, in light of, of what he saw of Jesus um, live, um, die, be resurrected um, and ascend to heaven. Um, to reinforce that Jesus had been foretold throughout all the law and all the prophets, that he was the prophet Moses was talking about. And so our, my final point is, is Christ being the fulfilment of the law, the perfect fulfilment of the law. Matthew 5.17 says, Do not think, and this is Jesus talking, that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then Romans 10.4, For Christ has already accomplished the purpose of which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. And I think we, we mostly understand this statement on a surface level. I think it gets thrown around a lot. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. You know, he, he's the perfect fulfillment. He, you know, um, he perfected the law. Um, but do we really understand what this means? Like what part of his ministry and how, um, how does it all come together? How can we possibly think that one man or one God man, Jesus, um, can perfectly fulfill every one of these weird and wonderful 613 laws? How does that happen? What does that look like? And the key is, and this, this, uh, you know, you know how you you think you know something, and then you relearn it, and you go, oh my goodness, like it's 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 so powerful. Okay, it's the Passover that links the both together. In Egypt, death passed over and killed all the firstborn boys. But the Israelites were saved because of the lamb that was sacrificed and its blood that was painted over their doorposts. So death literally passed over the Israelites and left them unharmed because of an innocent, spotless lamb. The like, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the firstborn Israelites were exactly the same as the firstborn Egyptians. There was no difference. They were both boys. They were both firstborn. But because of the sacrificed lamb, they were unharmed. You know, think about the, what uh, was asked of the Israelites. Okay, something's going to happen, and it's going to be pretty crazy, and it's going to be pretty scary. But this, this is 
the, the final blow to the Egyptians, that they will truly believe that, that I, I am a God of power and might and, and you need to let my people go. You need to go grab a sheep and you need to kill it and you need to put it over your doorpost and that's going to save you. Do you trust it? Do you take the gamble and go, eh, I don't think, I don't want to kill my sheep. No, he's going to get me good money at the market later. Um, it takes immense trust. It takes immense trust um, to have a requirement like that and go, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. And they, they kills an innocent, blameless lamb. You have done nothing to deserve this, and yet I'm going to kill you. I'm not even going to eat you afterwards. I'm just going to kill you and, and put your blood over my doorpost. And that is going to save me because God told me to. And so you do it in trust. And it works. It, it actually works. You would think in that moment, and, and you would think, you know, if we were in that, we, you know, this grace, like this, this is where, where grace premising the law becomes so much more powerful. Like they literally saw Egyptians dropping like flies and yet they were left unharmed for no other reason but God chose them, the littlest of the littlest, and told them, do this and you will be saved. And so how does this relate to us? Moses knew that even though that they had been saved by grace through, through this Passover, and this is what the Israelites would do every year, remember this. They, he knew and God knew that they were incapable of keeping these laws. You would think out of that massive moment that they would be happy to obey everything that God ever said to them. Out of that trust of killing that, that lamb and, and spreading the blood on, the, on the, the doorpost, you would think. But maybe it was too hard. Maybe the 613 laws, which is a lot, um, it was just too hard. Maybe God set up a, a, a standard that was too big. But I think and I hope that, that we all remember and understand that the, the bigger point is that the Israelites had hardened their heart and they did not love God with all their heart, mind and soul because they loved themselves more. And, and we are the Israelites in this story. It is the human condition that we are all like the Israelites, turning each to our own way. So within this inability, inability to love God with all our heart, we, we need the same thing. We need a same Passover lamb to take away, to, to, to make sure that death doesn't come for us. And so the innocent spotless lamb for us is Jesus. When Jesus came and walked this earth, he knew that the law was not sustainable anymore. It has been prophesied throughout the Old Testament that it was not going to um, keep us in step with God because of our condition. And so God knew that the only way was for an innocent man who had lived a perfect life for his blood to be spread over our doorposts. And the only condition is that we believe and trust that one man, one perfect innocent man who is God, his blood 
on our, on our doorpost of a life would mean that when death comes for us, it passes over us. And so this is the link of grace. This is the link that links the Old Testament and the New Testament together, that, that the Passover was necessary for the Israelites and then it was necessary for us forever and ever and ever and amen, that we needed a perfect spotless lamb called Jesus Christ to die a sinner's death so that we can have eternal life. And the only condition is that we believe that he did that and have faith and have trust um, in the life that he now calls us to. Because if we, if we believe if we believe in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as our saviour, we get to spend eternity with him. And that's amazing. And, and without him, without believing in him that he did that for us, we're dead. We're dead. We're like the Egyptians, the firstborn Egyptians that, that didn't follow God. We're dead. That's the eternal um, end of the line. And so grace is this premise of the law. So when we're reading Deuteronomy, there was grace before there were rules. And Christ, as we saw, is promised in the law that we read in Deuteronomy. And then Christ dying the sinner's death so that we can have eternal life is that perfect fulfillment of the law. And so when we're reading, um, when we're reading Deuteronomy, through the lens of Christ, it's this lens by which we read all books of the Bible, including the Old Testament, and that, of course, includes Deuteronomy. Um, my favourite uh, podcast um, for a couple of years has been The Bible Project. And um, their, um, their ethos, their, um, their slogan is that we believe that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. And I truly believe that. And it's quite an orthodox belief that like, in light of Jesus, everything is pointing to him or pointing back to him. And so it doesn't mean that the book Deuteronomy will be easy, but through the teaching, life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can read this book with a framework that gives us a wider focus, a focus on Jesus. And I'm going to finish by um, kind of switching the metaphor from lens of Christ to um, prism of Christ, refracted through Christ. And I know there's a lot of science students here, so if I get it wrong, forgive me. Um, but I've done a little bit of research. And so when light shines through a prism, light is refracted into a spectrum. All the colours are on display on what makes up light. It's a rainbow. And there are colours that are seen clearly by the human eye, as we can see, the rainbow. But there are some that even we can't see. Ultraviolet light and infrared light. You going okay? Good. Science. Love it. Um, Christ is this prism. And when we look through the prism, the law is transformed. Through his teachings his life, his death and resurrection, we are able to read the law knowing that Christ fulfills it perfectly. And so some laws don't change, like caring for the poor. We must care for the poor because Jesus said it and Jesus lived it. Some things, as I said, are intensified, like loving your neighbour becomes loving your enemy. And we see that in the Samaritan story. 
And some laws are refracted beyond recognition and disappear in the light of Christ. So circumcision disappears. Thank goodness for that. Um, death penalty, um, food laws, the whole sacrificial system. So every time, imagine, imagine today, every time that, that you stuffed up and you were guilty, you had to go find yourself a sheep and sacrifice it. There would not be many sheep and, and Peter would be all over our ass. <laughs> they would not be happy. That's P-E-T-A, not P-E-T-E-R. I don't know, maybe Peter's, Peter's into animal rights as well. Um, but um, the, 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 the point is that imagine if we had to sacrifice a lamb or a sheep every time we stuffed up. But through Christ, the whole sacrificial system has been absorbed into Jesus because he is the perfect sacrifice once and for all. And this means, and if you, if you don't already know it, that I believe this, we still benefit from reading Deuteronomy. And so I encourage you to, to dig into it um, when you've got a chance um, in, in life comms or, or, or in your spare time. But we read it as it was always intended to be read, read as being fulfilled in Christ. We remember what Christ did for us in fulfilling the old covenant and lovingly embrace the new covenant of faith in Jesus as our saviour. And I love, and I didn't even know this, but you know the idea, I, I just said that circumcision is not a thing anymore, but circumcision of the heart is definitely a thing. And I thought it was just a Paul thing. I think Paul, I thought Paul was just a bit weird and he kept talking about circumcision for too long. But it was, it's in Deuteronomy. Did you know that? It's in Deuteronomy. That, the, um, that Moses calls the Israelites to go beyond just knowing the law, to go beyond just following the law, but to circumcise your heart with the law, to cut your heart, in a sense, with the law so it, it affects you in such a way that, you, that, that your life is transformed and changed. And so Paul picks up on this and, it, and expands it to, to faith in Jesus Christ. When you know who Jesus is, when you know what he did for you on that cross, when you experience his transformation, you too will be cut to the core. Your heart will be circumcised. And you will lovingly and willingly, with your heart, mind and soul, embrace everything that Jesus calls us to do and everything that Paul um, encourages us and urges us to do. So law, um, in light of Jesus, um, especially the new covenant, there are instructions um, that we see throughout the New Testament. We can and, and, and tend to feel like it's, it's, it's kind of like those rules again. I just, I just, I, I got to follow, I got to obey because I have to. But if we remember that grace is the premise of the law and Christ is the perfect fulfillment of the law, man, there's nothing that I would not do for a Jesus like that, for a man like that. And so through the lens of Christ, we see that grace is the premise and Christ is the perfect fulfillment. And I look forward to, to what um, the team's going to bring in the next couple of weeks. As I said, we're going to be um, going through, uh, focusing more on the, um, on the Ten Commandments. That's where we're going to land most of this time. Um, but I really hope that um, this has helped you to, to get intrigued and go, oh, I want to kind of see whether what Ryan's saying is actually true or he's just kind of making a convincing argument. I mean, what do I have to gain from convincing you that you should read the, the Old Testament except that um, on, on my, you know, month-long journey in Deuteronomy, um, it has been transformative. And so 
I hope, yeah, you, you can discover Deuteronomy for yourself. And if you're going to do it in life comms, that's awesome. Um, get on to that. That's going to be great. And so I guess the last thing that I have to say is, yeah, take that, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> no. No. Um, how about we pray? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just, um, we just thank you so much uh, for, your, for your holy word, for your holy God-breathed word that within, um, within every step of the way in the Bible, there is an intention. Um, there is a story of, of, of redemption, uh, a story of a loving God committed to his people. And Lord, through Jesus Christ, we are your people as well. And you, you offer this free gift to come into relationship with you and experience you and, and have you transform our lives. Help us, Lord, to remember to remember you as our Passover lamb, that without you, the only promise in life is death, but through you is life. Life here on earth where we're, we're, we're free to lovingly embrace everything that you, you instruct us and, and urge us to do. Um, and, and I pray, Lord, that through this, um, through this series, you'll be able to yeah, help us appreciate all parts of the Bible um, and Deuteronomy and see how... Um, yeah, how applicable and relevant it is to our lives. But Lord, above all, I pray that you um, you transform our hearts through your Holy Spirit um, in everything that we do, that, that, that we will learn to, to let you into our lives um, and let you transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.